These are songbooks. They would often sing in the temple with worship. Okay, But where these came from is what is really interesting. These songs weren't necessarily God's revelation to man. These were man's revelations about God. I know that sounds like they're both very similar, but oftentimes what was happening in these psalms are people's expressions and people's, what the emotions that they went through, the things that they have come to understand in their relationship with the Lord. So the psalms are very personal. As I said, it's man's word to God and God's word to man. Now, what psalms do is they describe human internal struggle with the Lord's will. Psalm material would be kind of like this. Me coming in one day and saying, and having all these things to whine about. Like, I had a horrible week, and my, my week was just really bad, and, and I just, I don't even know if God's even there, okay? Now, if my whole purpose in saying that was just to get everybody else's attention and make you feel sorry for me, then my job would be done, okay? And we know that a lot of us do that sometimes. We just whine so that we can get, get a little bit of empathy and get, get somebody else to pat us on the back and tell us it's going to be okay, get a little bit of attention, but... If I was a man of God, and I said that out loud, um, and I said that like in prayer, or I said that a, a, amongst a, a couple other men and women of God that I needed their accountability, something might start happening to me after I say that. I might say that and start realizing, but Lord, <coughs> you've always been faithful. And I might start remembering times that the Lord came through for me. I might start remembering this season. I might start remembering this. I might start remembering that. And then I might conclude with a different perspective. Then I might ask for forgiveness for all the doubt that I've had and forgiveness for my own selfishness and my own arrogance. And I might come out uh, in a different place just through prayer, through reflection, than I did when I went in. That's what happens in the book of Psalms. It's real. It's man's and woman's experience as well with God. These connections that we're having in our relationship with the Lord. It says they inform our intellect. A scholar said they inform our intellect, they arouse our emotions, they direct our wills and stimulate our imaginations. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to challenge you to read a psalm a day. That is very easy reading. It is the easiest Bible assignment I've ever given you. And I, I didn't put Psalm 119 in here, which is like multiple pages. But um, I just gave you one psalm a day, piece of cake. You can easily read a psalm a day. And what you're going to discover is what's going to happen is next week, I'm going to preach on psalms of trust. Um, and, and so we're going to be reading all week on psalms of trust. So you'll already kind of have a good idea of what that is, what a psalm of trust is. Um, so so then the next week we'll, we'll go on psalms of lament. The next week we'll go on psalms of praise. Um, there's actually really scholars will do like six or seven different categories. I feel like the four that I picked are, are, are pretty good quadrants. Um, you could also throw covenant in with trust. You could throw psalms of thanks into psalms of praise. And then you could also talk about kingship with, with psalms of trust as well. Um, but we're going to learn a little bit about these. So what I'd love to encourage you to do starting tomorrow, read Psalm 16. Next day, read Psalm 23. You're going to find that you've heard many of these before. Some of them perhaps you've never heard before. But next week we're going to come on April 15th and we're going to preach on Psalms of Trust and Covenant. And you're going to have already experienced those Psalms throughout the week 
so you're going to have a good idea of what this even means, what I'm even talking about when we get to next Sunday. So I would love for you to join us, for you to join me this week. What I teach, I don't even know exactly where I'm going to land, what specific psalm will be the main piece of the lesson, but it will be one of those seven um, most likely, and the Lord's going to lead me as, as he's leading you throughout next week as you read through the psalm. So I'd love to have you join me, and if you ever have anything um, throughout your experiences that the Lord's speaking to you, I'd love to hear um, what the Lord's saying, and so we'd love to be able to journey and do this with you. So <clears throat> I've, uh, since today was kind of going to be the first message, um, I had to think long and hard about which psalm to begin with, and through much discernment, analyzation, and assessment, I decided to begin with Psalm number one, okay? So Psalm number one, it is, all right? So I'm going to read to you Psalm number one. Rod Rod already read a little bit of it to you, and I'm going to read the whole thing to you. We'll have a word of prayer. We'll begin. Psalm one, blessed is the man who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord. And who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Let's pray. Lord, today I long to introduce this congregation to a book of Scripture that maybe some have never spent a lot of time in. And if that is true, then there's something, there's an element of worship, an element of relationship that they've always been missing. This book is raw. It is full of real human emotions, real human frustrations, Real human fears, but also combined with human revelation. A human expression of of in their darkest days, they've come to understanding God as a God that is always present with them. So now as we begin to journey together in the next four weeks through the book of Psalms and and become acquainted with it for some even for the first time, may our hearts be open to hear you speak to us. May we sense this kindred journey that we can have with you that the saints before us have had long before we've even walked this earth. Today, may we be a part of this community of faith and be men and women that worship you with authenticity and and worship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, well, we'll talk a little bit about Psalm 1 today, and we'll send everybody off to begin reading through these psalms. And we'll get into Psalms of Trust next week. So I said four categories that I would hit on. I gave you three you see right there, trust, lament, and praise in your plan. Today, Psalm 1 is is what they might call a wisdom psalm, similar to Proverbs. It's didactic in nature. That just means that it's, it's a teaching. It's a teaching psalm. So what you read in Psalm 1 is very similar to what you might see in Proverbs. There is there is unknown writer for this psalm. And if I just read this to you, this one is not complicated, Okay, if you already got something out of Psalm one when Rod read the first two scriptures and when I just read the the six scriptures, great, you got it. It's not that complicated of a psalm, really. All right, I'm going to break a few things down for you, but I don't think that you really we need to spend a ton of time analyzing. Well, what does he really mean by blessed? I think if you look through the rest of the scripture, you recognize what it means to be blessed. 
But this certainly is an introduction in a lot of ways, not to what the rest of all the other psalms are going to be like, um, but the conclusion that this psalm comes to is a conclusion that I hope all of us come to today and that every other psalm really ultimately comes to as well. And so the key word here is, of course, blessing. And that blessing is not complicated. A real simple definition I could give you would be happy, straight, or right. I listened to a guy named Paul Washer. He said a blessing is for those who have entered into a covenant relationship with God. Now let's don't forget how Jesus described blessing. Nick, if you could put, oh, I forgot to get those. Did you put those scriptures up? Um, uh, might take a minute. The easy worship scriptures there. You got them? Way to go. All right, Matthew 5, 3 through 12, these are the Beatitudes. Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you. You're going to be surprised at just how much that theme keeps coming up over and over and over and over and over again in the book of Psalms. But blessed are when all these things happen to you. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So, I wanted to share the Beatitudes with you um, with the word blessed because I want you to understand this is what blessing looks like. If we see blessed as it means we're going to have an abundance of money, an abundance, uh, a really big house, and an abundance of friends, all of those kinds of things that our culture tells us what blessing really looks like, you're going to be really confused when you read through the book of the Psalms and see a lot more of that kind of stuff, the kind of blessing that Jesus talked about. And so we're gonna, we'll get into this psalm just a little bit. So I told you it's incredibly simple. Here's a basic piece of cake, four-part outline for what we see in the book of Psalms. You put that next slide up, or in Psalm chapter 1. Simple four-part outline. The blessed does not, the blessed does, the blessed described, and the wicked described. So let's get to the first thing. The first one, the blessed does. It says, verse 1, The blessed is the man who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers. So, first thing it says is standing in the way that sinners take. So you could get three expressions there. You could do standing, you could do walking, or you could do sitting down. So there's a, there's, this psalm makes it clear that there are two ways. There are a couple options as to how you're going to live your life, and they actually make it a little bit simpler in, in saying that it really is just a couple. There's the way of the wicked, there's the way of the godly. Now, and it says standing in the way. That means you've, you've, you've actually stopped. You're in the path of the wicked, and you've stopped. You're there You're taking counsel from the wicked. You're sitting in the company of mockers. And so one thing we need to recognize right at the beginning is that to be blessed does require some restraint. 
To be blessed does require that we make some right choices. You could say that those are two different things or really the same thing. Having some restraint in your life, choosing not to do some things, is, is a choice as well. But, but being blessed requires you to make some choices. And I remember, I've been, I've been consumed with this ever since I studied it for a message I did here a few uh, months ago. Remember we discovered, just in my study, it said we made, you make 35,000 conscious choices a day. I think a better word to say is somewhat conscious choices a day. You have 35,000 different opportunities perhaps to make a choice to be blessed or not to be. Now, don't let that freak you out and lose your mind thinking about every little choice that you make, whether I should have Coke or whether I should have Pepsi. But the truth is we do have opportunities every day to, to choose God or not. But blessing has a great deal to, to, to choose the choices that you make. And the, the word that they use here is mockers or scoffers. So that at some point when you continue to stand in the path of the wicked, you become just like the wicked. And you, you can become that way so quickly be, even before you know it. In this context, mocking and scoffing means people that basically, um, <clears throat> they, they consider the things of God, uh, they consider the things, they, they take the things of God irreverently. Um, it's like they spit on the things of God. They laugh, they joke. Like, why are you doing that with your life? That makes no sense. Why would you go to church every Sunday morning? Why would you give an offering every Sunday? And they begin to scoff at the things of God. If you hang out and stand in the presence and seek the counsel of the world and seek the counsel of the wicked, that will quickly, can quickly become commonplace to you. So the blessed do not <clears throat> stand in the way the sinners take. The next thing, the blessed do, verse 2, whose delight, the blessed do delight in the law of the Lord and meditate on his law day and night. Now, when I studied that word meditation, it was a, it was a weird Hebrew word that almost means um, to murmur, to continue to reflect that there's something out loud that is coming out. This is more than just hearing a sermon every Sunday. I hope you understand this. Um, this was really sacred uh, to the first hearers of Scripture, what meditating on the law. It goes all the way back to Deuteronomy um, Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, to the Shema, that they, would, they were called to meditate on these words day and night and press them upon their children to continue to reflect upon the things of God. Now, that don't ever, please don't just see that as moat Scripture memory, but it's rather a call to be someone who considers through different points in your day what does the word of the Lord say to what I'm going through right now? What does the word of the Lord say to how I should treat that person that just walked in the door? What does the word of the Lord say in this moment when I get incredibly stressed out? What does the word of the Lord say when I get burdened about someone that I don't know? To be consistently reflecting upon the ways of God. Another word for meditation, we could call that meditation. You could call that worship. We're called to, to worship God beyond what happens here on Sunday mornings. We're called to worship the Lord with our life. And that's what is, that is what they speak of when they talk about meditation. So thirdly, the blessed described, verses 3 and 6, here's what it says. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaves does not wither. Whatever they do, prosper. And then again, you get another description on verse 6. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, 
Then, of course, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. So it describes the righteous, or excuse me, describes the blessed as a tree making deep roots by streams of water, which also means that that ground is always going to be soft. That soil, if you think about the Lord's the parable of, the, of the, the sower, that soil is always going to be soft and that soil is always going to be good. So it, it yields fruit in season, which means that there could be seasons... Um, where there's not as much fruit, there's a little death and dying, but there's this consistent cycle of life happening. But no matter what may change on the aesthetics, no matter what may change in the externals, the foundation remains the same and the location remains the same. They are blessed. They are rooted in the ways, in the word, in the will of God. But then they use this word, I don't know if your Bible has it at the end of verse 3, It's the word prospers. Whatever they do, prospers. I was listening to uh, a message this week that really spoke to me a lot about this and and trying to define what prosperity means in the context of this song. I mean, I don't even know. When you hear that word, what do you you even think of? Am I prospering? What what goes through your head right now? I mean, we have different people here in different seasons of life. And I know what, what might come to mind when I think of that word. And I ask myself, am I prospering right now? Sometimes we might think about our income. Sometimes we might think about how things are going in our family. Perhaps we think about, um, you know, how thing, what, the way things look at our house, the way, things, um, the, the way things are. Maybe some of you may think about the way things are going in your church. Maybe some of you think about the way things are going in your health. I don't know. I don't know what comes to mind when you hear that word prosper. But I want to try to define for you the kind of blessing that this psalm is talking about, the kind of prosperity that it's talking about. You know, there's two different, poll, there's two different polls and news that, that's happening today, and I try not to talk about them because I don't like either one of them. You see, but you got CNN on one side and you got Fox on the other side. And you know what happens in the news world today? I don't know if you, I'm sure you know this, but the people that write these stories sometimes that you, maybe you read on the internet or maybe you read in the newspaper, the people that write these stories they're not the ones that get to determine the headlines. They write the stories, but then somebody else puts a headline on it based on how they think, what kind, what kind of hearers they want to get, how the audience will respond, and what's going to be the best catch that will get people to actually read that story. It's the headline that often defines what that story is about. So the publisher, the person that creates it, uh, then it has to go to the editor to finally put something on there, to put a headline on there. I've talked before, just a couple weeks ago, how about whether you realize it or not, you don't get to choose everything that happens to you in life. You don't. The best you can do is guess what's going to happen next, right? You don't get to choose what's going to happen. You don't get to completely make all of the choices of your story. But what you do have the power to do that is the blessing that is described in this psalm, is you get to put, be the editor. You get to put the headline on it. You get to determine what this story actually means uh, to the person that is experiencing it. You get to determine what, what the message is that you want to communicate to the world. Let me give you an example. Uh, as even somebody in our congregation. A story of about someone getting cancer. Headline. Through my experience with cancer, I have grown closer to God and have a testimony to give now to the world. 
Somebody could write a story about losing someone in their life. The headline could be, through losing this person, I've grown closer to God and have a greater value in life and reach out to others more than I ever have. Someone could have a story about losing a job. Through losing my job, I've learned to simplify life and I've learned that God is faithful through me through each and everything and he continues to provide for me. That is the kind of blessing that this verse is talking about. Not the kind that that says that all the circumstances are always going to line up and everything is going to be perfect, but a blessing that enables you to define your situation and have peace and have presence with an eternal God through each and every moment that you experience. So, when you read about prosperity in the Psalms, as Psalms 1 promises the blessed, I hope you are ready for what's coming next. Because throughout the rest of these books, you're going to read about a guy like King David, who people are trying to kill him. A guy like King David, who his headline today, when we talk about him, is a man after God's own heart. A man that experienced greater intimacy with the Lord than anyone else, perhaps anyone else that walked this planet. That's, that's just you know, subjective. But that's what most people think of King David. But King David's story, if you want to write a negative aspect of David's story, remember, he, he killed someone. He had someone killed. He had an affair. King David, after that, he had his own kid try to kill him. And then his own kids died. And then he had multiple, he had many different wives, which caused a lot of drama and different complications. So David could have had a different headline on his story. And you know what's going to happen? Because I know there's nobody else in here that got weird, awkward things in your life, right? I mean, everybody here has perfect lives. So you're not going to be able to relate to Psalms. It's not true at all, is it? The Psalms go through messy human experiences. There's a Psalm in there about when David sinned with Bathsheba, what his response to it was. So get ready, because that's what the kind of prosperity that we're talking about. The prosperity that comes to peace, that comes to understanding with exactly what is, what, why I'm going through these things in my life. And even in those moments where we don't completely know, we, we, we have this peace that we are in movement with God, and he is taking us where we need to be, because we are doing exactly what the writers of the Psalms were doing at the time. They're sitting in and wrestling with these experiences that they're having and trying to understand what the Lord's will is and and crying out to God in the process. That's what you get to read about in the Psalms. Real human emotion and, yes, godly prosperity. Finally, the wicked described, verse 5. Verse 5 says, Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor the sinners in the assembly, or excuse me, verse 4, not so the wicked, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor the sinners in the assembly of the righteous. So that other side of there doesn't come up real well with our light here, but they, they put like the blessed on one side and that picture put like the wicked on the other side. That's a pretty good description of what chaff is. It's just dry, unrooted stuff that a good wind is just going to blow it away. Uh, the wicked have ultimately have no roots. They're blown and tossed by, as Paul says, every wind of doctrine and teaching. Um, they go wherever the wind blows. Whatever feels good, whatever sounds good, whatever smells good, that is how the wicked respond to the things of this world. 
And this psalm is describing that as rootless, as empty, as the W word, wicked. The wicked will not be able to hold up their head in the time of judgment. And so I don't think I need to talk to you anymore about what all of this means. But I want us to be really clear before we conclude that this psalm is setting out that there are two paths. There are two ways to live, and you read all about that throughout the book of Proverbs. And that ultimately, all of those, those paths are always up to you. It's a choice that you always have. Now, conclusion, I just want to say, as I was studying this psalm, I, I saw a couple talk about the pursuit of happiness and a restlessness in their comparison to the wicked and the blessed. Now, that, that, that there is this pursuit of happiness. So I want to ask you this question. Can you create happiness? Yeah, you can. The answer is yes to that because we've ex- you've experienced it before. You've experienced created happiness. I have. Have you ever won? Have you ever, Ruby, have you ever rooted for Kentucky and they've won? Did that make you happy? Kentucky created some happiness for you, okay? Your experience created happiness. Have you ever, have you ever gone somewhere on vacation and had a great experience because you did something fun? You created some happiness. Yes, it is possible to create happiness. And so the pursuit of happiness that is in our culture is just, how can we get this kind of stuff all the time? How can we just always get to love our job, to love our family? Everything's going great. Everything's going great with our family. And, and everything, my house never falls apart. Everything is always perfect with it. It always looks beautiful. I never even have to clean it. I don't know how it happens. It's like that is what our goal is. That's what the pursuit of happiness is, that we can create enough happiness in our life so that we are always happy all of the time. <clears throat> but church, can we recognize this morning that that's the opposite invitation that this psalm is inviting us to? That's the opposite invitation of what this whole book is inviting us to. That's the opposite invitation of what the book of Proverbs as well and the whole gospel invites us to. It invites us to a blessing that is not dependent upon circumstances. A blessing that brings peace and happiness that comes from within. A blessing that comes from recognizing what the right is and then choosing what is right. The blessing that we find in Psalm 1 is the blessing that is not dependent upon circumstances, but rather can define any circumstance that they go through. Even if sometime that definition is as simple as, I have no idea why this is happening right now, but I know that the Lord is with me. And I know that the Lord is faithful because he's been faithful in the past, and I know that his ways are better than mine. And I know that his ways are full of purpose. And I know that his ways are full of clarity and full of direction. So although I don't completely understand this right now, I'm going to stay put as a tree planted by streams of water. My heart is going to remain soft, and I'm going to allow the Lord to continue to move through me. Church, that's what it means to be blessed. That's what it means. That's what many of the the writers of the Psalms and these songs that were sung as songs of praise came to understand. We don't figure everything out. We go through some tough stuff. But through those experiences, when we hold tight to our foundation, we hold tight to who the Lord is, 
we come out with new revelation and new peace that is not dependent upon our circumstances. That's what you're invited to as you begin this journey through the Psalms. Let's pray. Lord, open up our hearts to a new avenue of worship as we sift through your scriptures. Today, I I don't even know all across this room how many of the people that have walked in and looked at this reading plan and, and have been like, I'll never do this. This is great, Pastor Brody, but whatever. But some that will look at this and recognize that, hey, this might be an opportunity for me to become acquainted with a book of the Bible and have a new spiritual experience that I've never had before. Begin to identify with the writers of the Psalms and hear the invitation to be blessed and draw near to God. So, Lord, all across this room this morning, I pray that that our people would hear that invitation and we would begin to journey through these texts together and allow you to speak to us and bring new life to our walk with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This morning, blessed is the one who does not walk in steps of the wicked, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord. Pedestrians, please come forward. 